Do you like magic? <clears throat> Especially it seems like um, as our world has gotten more advanced or whatever, magic has become just amazing. Um, things that we just look at and say, that's impossible, and we just saw it with our own eyes, or we think we did. Uh, when you see a really good magic trick, how do you react to it? There's, there's almost, there's, there's two groups. Uh, one group just sits there and says, well, that was really cool. And the other group is analytically trying to, okay, how'd they do that? And they have to figure it all out. And if they can't figure it out, it just drives them nuts. And whatever else happens doesn't matter because they're still back trying to figure out how in the world did he just cut that woman in two and now she's glued back together. Well, in some ways, that applies to God. I, I, got a real, I have to tell you, I got a real kick out. I was sitting in here earlier this morning as the worship team was practicing. And here's, Carrie has chosen the song, Indescribable, which is a true statement. And then I'm thinking, great, because that's the whole purpose of my sermon series, to describe God. And yet we're singing, it's in, he's indescribable. But there is some real truth in that. And that's part of why, as we're looking at this sermon series on the different names of God, it really is an effort to say God is so big and so complex, and all there is about him, one, he is indescribable. The song is right on. And all of his names are ways for us to try and bring God down to some size that we can comprehend. And through his different names, be able to in some way come to say, okay, this is who my God is. This is who God is. This is what he's like. And we look at all of those names of God, or we are. This week, we look at a New Testament name for God. I don't know if you've noticed, but so far since June... All of the names we've looked at for God are found in the Old Testament. That's where they start. There's two that we're going to look at all summer that are added in the New Testament. And we're going to look at one of those today. It's mentioned only three times in the New Testament. One, all three are in the book of Revelation. One is at the beginning of the book of Revelation. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. At the beginning of the book, in a sense, as God is speaking to John and giving him his revelation of what is going to come in history, he gives his, his credentials, why he is qualified to say to John, I can tell you what's going to come because I know what I'm talking about. Because I am the Alpha and the Omega. It's interesting then, the other two times that the, this name for God is used is at the end of the book. Chapters 21 and 22. Here's chapter 21. He said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Almost this reassurance that I know what I'm talking about. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, where in the world does that come from? Well, we use in our language, in English, the Roman alphabet, derived from Latin. The Greek had a whole different alphabet. It was the language of the New Testament. Uh, if you study in seminary, you are privileged to learn Greek. That's not exactly the word that's used, but you have to learn Greek. 
Alpha and Omega are Greek letters. We're most familiar with them with sororities and fraternities. They use the Greek alphabet. Alpha is the very first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the very last letter in the Greek alphabet. It is a common phrase that was used in New Testament times to say I am the Alpha and Omega is to say I am the beginning and I am the end and I am everything in between. Whether you want to think of as bookends or the front cover and the back cover and everything that is in between is all included in that. In some ways, this Alpha and Omega name, I thought, corresponds to what we saw God gave his name to Moses when he said, I am, I am. Jehovah, Yahweh. Who am I? I am. I am all of these things. Well, in a different way of saying it, the Alpha and Omega is the same way. I am God. I am Alpha and Omega. I am from start to finish I am all of those things. And yet that's not the only concept. That's where we start. God is the beginning and the end. In a sense, he is the first. He is the God who created all of this. He is the mighty God, Elohim, that we saw in Genesis 1. I am God who spoke and creation came into being. And God was there. He was already there. He existed before creation because he was the God who did it all. He is that source of where did all this come from? God. He is the Alpha, the beginning. But he is also the end, the conclusion. He is the finisher of history. That is all part of this Alpha and Omega. He is the one who will choose to say, it's done. Christ returned. This history that I began is now coming to a judgment, to an ending point on this earth. In a sense, it is saying God is the beginner and the finisher. I know those aren't words. But I want us to think for a minute of why God uses this name. Because it's one of those names that is from God himself. As you've seen, many of the names that we're looking at this summer are names that God gave us. He said to Moses, what is my name? My name is Jehovah, I am. But we've also seen that there are some names that people gave to God. We looked at Hagar. Because Hagar says, you are the God who sees me. And she was so thrilled that God had noticed her in her suffering. And she said, your name is, you're the God who sees me. And how glad we are that he sees us, whatever we're in. But Alpha and Omega is a name that God chose. It's a name that God gives us in Scripture. It's used three times in Revelation, and it's the only time it's used in the Bible. In a sense, he begins chapter 1 by saying, I am the God in control of all of history. Listen to me. And then he ends in 21 and 22 saying, I am the God who is in control. This is how it's going to happen. 
And I know I can tell you because I am the God who will decide that. But I want to suggest that there is what I would call a primary meaning for Alpha and Omega. That is bigger than just the begin, one who begins and the ones who brings it to a close. And that is that God is sovereign. God is the one in control. Now, I've just split us into two camps. If you go to church a lot, or you have gone to church a lot, you've heard that word sovereign. If you haven't, you probably didn't pick it up at work this week. And it, nobody talked about it in the ball field. It's not a word we use anymore, if it ever was. Uh, it, it is a, a, a word out of, really, theology. Think back to the ancient kings who we said those kings were sovereign. It was just the concept that they are the highest authority. Nobody is over them. They are the ultimate authority. They're the one in this country who's in control. They're the king. Well, one of the titles of God is that he is the one who is sovereign. He is in control. It is used in Scripture, although very rarely. In 1 Timothy 6, we read this. The, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, when he will appear again, which he, God, will display at the proper time. He, God, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That claim given to us in Timothy is, I believe, the message of Alpha and Omega. That there is one God who is in control. And because he is in control, he chose to begin all of this. And he will choose to end all of this because he is the one who is in control. He and he alone is sovereign. God answers to no one. We don't choose what he does. We don't get to choose who he is or what he is like. We answer to him. Because he is in control, he chooses what happens and what doesn't happen and when it happens. And things will happen just as he says they will happen. And that's part of why he begins the book of Revelation, this revealing of how history is going to end, by saying, remember, I'm the one in control. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm sovereign. I will choose when all this is going to happen. I will determine what's going to happen. And at the end, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I am sovereign. I am the Alpha and Omega. You don't have to worry about it. This is exactly what's going to happen. I think that is the primary message God is trying to communicate when he says, my name is Alpha and Omega. I am the sovereign God who has started all this and will end all this. I am in control. I want to suggest to you that I think this may be the least popular name for God. This is just my opinion. There's no scripture to back this up. But I want to explain why I want to say that. Because I think it flies in the face of what we want. And that is that we want to be in control. 
the message of Alpha and Omega is that God is sovereign. He and He alone is in control. And honestly, that's not real popular today. Before we talk about today, let's go back to the beginning. The first sin that broke fellowship between God and Adam and Eve was when Satan comes along, the serpent comes along and says, Hey guys, you can be God. Just eat that fruit. You can be God. And that offer was a strong enough pull that both Adam and Eve said, Give me some fruit. I think that is the strongest lure that humans have faced since Adam and Eve to today. We want to choose. We want to call the shots. I think even we sit here as Christians and say, I've given my life to Christ, but there is still that part of our sinful flesh that says, I want to call the shots. I want to choose. And now our struggle, and why I say this is the least popular name for God today, is that our, our culture today says, you're right. You should call the shots. You get to call the shots. And we love that message. Entertainers say, hey, you get to call the shots. You get to choose what's true for you. It's an accepted truth today. Accepted truth in parenthesis, in quotation marks. And because we're all humans, we say, I like that idea. I, I want to choose what's true for me, and it may not be true for you, and that's okay, because you get to pick your truth. Just leave me alone, because I want to pick my truth. And that's exactly what that is. I want to be sovereign. I want to be the one in control of my life. And to hear that, no, God is sovereign, I'm not, we don't like that. We want to choose. One more piece of what I think is interesting research. I don't know, everything I see, I think it's accurate. Religion is getting less and less popular in the sense of organized religion. Now, you my assumption as a baby boomer would be, well, therefore, everybody must be coming atheist. But that's actually not true. There are fewer atheists today than ever have been. Everybody is becoming spiritual. That is the, the number one trend today. People are spiritual. They're just not religious. But that's exactly what we're talking about. Because spiritual people will tell you, ah, ah, sure, I believe in a higher power. I believe in a being out there. I just get to make who I want. I, I get to choose. You see, if I go to a religion, that religion is going to teach me this is what the Bible says. Uh, this is what's true. God is Alpha and Omega. Well, I don't like that. But I'm spiritual. My God is this way. This is how the power running the universe is. I've decided that. I'm spiritual. And you'll have lots of people around you at work say, do you go to church? No. Are you spiritual? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. And they'll tell you all of their beliefs. And there's a piece from Buddhism. There's a piece from Islam. There's a piece from Christianity. They've chosen to sort of put this together in how they want things to be. 
But you see, the assumption is, if you can do that, you must be in control because you get to make God. Now, they wouldn't say that out loud, but that's what they're doing. And that's very popular today. We hear it in the media. We have entertainers saying it as though they're experts. And people listen to them and say, yeah. And we hear it on talk shows. And it sounds good to us because we have that same pull that Adam and Eve's had. I'd like to call the shots. And they're telling me I get to call the shots. And that's real appealing. Except God comes along and says, unfortunately, you're not God. You better wake up. Grab your Bibles, will you? I want us to go back to Isaiah 44. There's a fascinating chapter here. Because Israel's been doing the same thing. They've been making up their own gods. They were called idols. And they would physically, literally make up their own gods. They would carve them. They would make them out of clay. They would make up their own gods. And the whole book of Isaiah is a warning to Israel that they are headed for a train wreck as a country. And God in chapter 44 says, here's part of the reason you're headed for a train wreck as a country. First of all, I want to read verses 6 through 8. And keep your finger there because we're going to read one more section. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Alpha and Omega. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? You think there's a God, Israel, that you made? Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do you see God's challenge? You think you can make your own God? Well, have your God step up and tell us everything that's happened in history. And next, tell us everything that's going to happen in history. Book of Revelation. And you can almost hear God saying, come on, I dare you. Come on, stand up. I'm waiting. Have your gods tell you those idols that you worship? Let's listen. And of course, God knows they can't because they're not real gods. Then in verse 8, do not tremble, don't be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You're my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. That other name for God we saw? I know not one. Now hold on for just a second. We're going to read a little bit more. But notice how God says, I warned you that you would be tempted to make your own gods. You would be tempted to think that we can decide this. We can decide how God's going to be, how we want things to play out. And you're going to be tempted to make your own gods, and you're going to do that. I warned you about that. But the truth is, let's be honest, there are no other gods. I alone am God. I am Jehovah Almighty. I alone am Creator. I am the first and the last. I alone know what's coming. 
then God gets a little more sarcastic. Let's keep reading verse 9. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol which can profit nothing? People who do that will be put to shame. Such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. All those people who think they can make their own gods. And we have a lot of people today, and it seems like they're the majority of voices. They must be right. I hear it over here. I hear it over here. It's what everybody says at work. It's what my friends in the neighborhood are saying. And if I would say something different, I'm looked at as, boy, are you out of touch? Where are you old-fashioned? Or you're judgmental. Or you're narrow. And we have all of those arguments against, no, no, we should be able to choose and pick. And you have your God and I have my spiritual being. Leave me alone. And it's exactly what God warned us about in Isaiah 44. People will make up their own gods. But God comes along and says, no, I am the Alpha and Omega. I'm the one in control. I'm the first and last. We do have a choice. But I want you to know the choice isn't who God is. We don't get to choose that. We're not in control. We don't get to decide what God is like, or if there's some part of God that we don't like, well, that's just not the way my God is. That's not truth. And if you think I'm making all that up, I, I am amazed at people who believe that because it's so illogical to me. And the reason I say that is it's like saying, you know what, you go with gravity, I don't like gravity. I just, you know, it hymns me in. I just don't like gravity anymore. Go for that. Jump off whatever you want to talk about. Good luck. And the reason, I don't want to be flippant, but there are so many things in our universe that we realize we don't get a vote. All of the laws of physics. All of those things. The laws of getting older. Go ahead, fight it. I'm trying. It's not working. I can't stop it. It's just happening. I don't get a vote. So why is it when we want to think about the most powerful being in the, in the universe and beyond, we think we get to choose? We are those foolish idol makers if we do that. God says, I. And the first and the last, I am the Alpha and the Omega. We do have a choice, but it's not who God is. God is who he is. The good news is we can choose to know him. We can choose to not know him. We can choose to make up our own beliefs and be spiritual. But there is a day coming when Christ returns when we will be seen to be, well, that was pretty stupid. That didn't work so well. But the good news that we celebrate every Sunday in worship 
is that we can know this Alpha and Omega. We can not only know him, we can have him as our heavenly father. Because Christ came to earth and paid for our sins that we might be washed clean, white as snow. So that when this God does return as Alpha and Omega, as he has told us he will, says, it is done, I'm here. We can look forward to that, not with fear or dread or being seen as stupid. But we can say, I knew it. I knew it. He is the God of the Bible. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And he's my father. And Jesus is my brother. And through his death, I am an heir. This kingdom that's opening up, I got a part in it. I am an heir of God. And this is for me. And we get to look forward to that and walk in as the Alpha and the Omega opens the kingdom to us. To me, Alpha and Omega is not a threat. It's not bad news. It is a promise. God says, I am the one in charge. Come and know me. Come and trust me. And when life doesn't go right, hold on to me because I'm in control. And we know, we know from his word and his actions that he is good, he loves us, he has a heart for us, and he will take care of us. And so I'm delighted that my God is Alpha and Omega. He's the one in charge. And as our world increasingly spins out of control, because people are making up their own gods, we get to have that hope and that peace that our God, Jehovah, God, Elohim, God Almighty, the God who sees us, the God who provides, the God who cares, He's the one in control. He is the one in control. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Let's pray. Father, we praise you, we freely acknowledge you are God. We're not. We don't want to delude ourselves with that lie of Satan. We're not God. We can't control tomorrow. There's not one star we can put in place. But you are. And we acknowledge you as God. And we thank you for Christ who made it possible for us as imperfect sinners to be forgiven and accepted by you and welcomed into your eternal kingdom that will be perfect. Where you will rule as God Almighty and loving Father, our Father. We thank you. We praise you. 
in Christ's name. Amen.